Hello, everyone. Welcome to Outcasts, a limited series on Afterthought Media where I, Jay Ellis, do my best impression of Barbara Walters and deep dive into the lives of Afterthought hosts. My first guest is known for her work on Fat Camp and the Rumor Mill, but maybe best remembered for being yelled at about missing forks. It's Lori Roggenkamp. Hi, Lori. Hi. Thank you again so much for being my first guest here on Outcasts. Um, <laughs> I was warned not to ask how your day's going, but I'm going to risk it. How's your day going? Oh boy. Okay. Let me start at the beginning. No, it's, it's going good. I, uh, I, it's, it's interesting with this whole self quarantine thing because I'm one of those people who like, I don't like doing what people tell me. So like, I'm usually like, I want to stay home and go to bed. And now I'm like, I want to wake up early and go outside. <laughs> so. Yeah. A, a real rebel of the law that they're laying down in the land. <laughs> yeah. That's great for all of California and the world, really, if you're just going to not listen to any of the rules. But it's funny because that's how I, I'm a little stir crazy because of I, I'm if we're time stamping this, it's during the COVID-19 virus. And yes. as soon as I'm told, like, please stay indoors and watch movies, the last thing I want to do is stay indoors and watch movies. <laughs> so yes. I'm having a really hard time, which... Actually, so I kind of have kept this from uh, the people I'm going to be interviewing. So let me just tell a little bit of the Afterthought Media audience of what to expect during this series. Um, this was kind of born out of being bored out of my mind and saying, I want to create content. And since Afterthought Media has so many queer hosts, I was thinking the best thing to do is kind of maybe there shows that the audience isn't listening to, but they know the names of all the hosts. So I kind of wanted to do a deep dive into kind of what made the host who they are and really focus on kind of the queer aspects of their life. And you were generous enough to be kind of my guinea pig and see how this goes for a limited run. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm interested also to find out queer aspects of my life. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to deep dive real deep in there and figure it out. So I think I'm just going to hop right into it and just, I, um, first of all, how do you identify? That's kind of my, I want to ask first. You know, I think pretty much I identify with whatever people see me as I I am pretty much whatever because I feel like for me I'm not necessarily most times I'm not necessarily feminine most times I'm not necessarily um I'm mostly not feminine most times I'm not necessarily I'm not masculine but I mostly I go by she her most of the time but like Mm -hmm. I'm pretty much like I don't I I'm not really the label isn't really the big issue. The big issue for me is not spelling my name with an E at the end. That's <laughs> right. That's it's L A U R I. And that's really my pet peeve. You can call me he, it, they, you can say anything, but if you spell my name with an E at the end, I will hunt you down. Right. So okay. Good to know. And growing up, I mean, that's kind of sounds like code switching to me where you're, you almost adapt to what people call you. Is that for your own ease or to make people feel easy on their own so that you don't make them uncomfortable with calling you something or mislabeling you. Um, I think it's mostly for my own ease because when I was, when I was younger, I was really hung up on it because I would go through. Uh, so I had really long hair for a while when I was a kid. And then I, I think I either tried to cut my own hair. I think I tried to cut my own hair. Uh oh. Um, and yes, I either tried to cut my own hair, or I got gum stuck in my hair, but I think those were two different scenarios. But something happened where I tried to cut. Oh yes, I got gum stuck in my hair, and I tried to cut it out, and I hid the the extra pieces of hair under the sofa cushions, and my mom found them because hiding things under sofa cushions is not the best hiding spot. <laughs> yeah. So she gave me like 
what can only be described as the Italian boy haircut. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> she gave me a very short haircut. And so I, w- I would wear, when I was a kid, I used to wear a lot of dresses. So I would go outside with like a, like a pink dress on with short hair and people would say, Oh, hi, sir. <laughs> or hi, boy. <laughs> you know, Oh, that's a boy over there. And I'd be like, first off, I'm eight years old. Stop calling yeah. me, sir. And secondly, you know, I was just like, so it used to frustrate me. And I honestly think that's why my mom did it which cause she thought that she would be able to like, kind of get me to be embarrassed. And then I would, I would not do that. But then I just sort of adapted to it. And I was like, yeah, just call me guy, girl. I don't care. So and yeah. at, at that age, you said you're around eight. Were you picking out clothing for yourself that really represented you or were you still no. kind of under the inf- Okay. So talk no. about that. Like what were, what were some things that you remember about that? So my mom was, my mom was, she's a twin. She has an identical twin sister. And then she has another sister. Um, and the younger, not my, not her twin, but the younger sister was a real girl's girl, my aunt Julie. And my aunt Julie was like my grandma's favorite because she was into cheerleading and she was all this stuff. And my mom and my aunt were very bookwormish. My mom is a very smart woman. And so they weren't real. like they were, if you, if I showed you photos, you'd say, oh my God, they're gorgeous. But my grandma used to always say, why don't you dress more like girls? Why don't you do whatever? And they used to have to make their own clothes because they were poor. So they used to just make things that fit them that were more like constructive based, not fashion based. And my, when my, okay. when their younger sister was born, my grandma, she was able to start working. So she was able to start buying more clothes. So she would kind of give my, and Julie more fashion. So when I was born, my mom took that as an opportunity to be like, I can kind of, I can have the girl that my grandma always wanted me to be. Unfortunately, I hated everything my mom picked out. So it was yeah. always a battle. Uh, my mom loves like pastel flowers. And I hate, that's like, <laughs> I think it looks so bad. And so my mom and I was always overweight. And so my mom would always try and buy clothes that were a little bit smaller for me to try and like motivate me to lose weight. So that was always tough. So um, my weight actually became like almost a shell for me because out of necessity of finding something to fit, I was able to wear pants and T-shirts. So it almost became like because I was overweight my mom couldn't put me in the Philly outfits that she wanted to anymore. So that became like more of an issue. And so that was sort of like, all of that was why I never really figured out like what my sense of style was, what anything was because I never really had a sense of style. And also my sexuality never really came into play because I always felt like, Oh, it's because I'm overweight. So I never really thought about it as, as a sexual sexual, like, Oh, this, I don't like dresses or I don't like this because I'm not a girly girl. I was like, I don't like this because I'm overweight and I don't want to wear this. So would you say that or I don't want to lead you into it, but would do you think that there's a correlation between finding yourself and realizing your difference in queerness, like kind of finding your style and kind of learning that part about yourself? Yeah, I think there is. I think, um, you know, when I first came out of the closet, I got this stereotypical Rosie O'Donnell, like butch lesbian haircut. And then... <laughs> I realized that like so did I. <laughs> I realized that it wasn't like that wasn't me. Like I would get I got shorter, I got short haircuts and I kept trying to make them work, but it wasn't me and so I'm still trying to figure out what my what my look is and I'm in my 30s. So but I would see like 
I would see people, I would see like really butch lesbians. And I go, I, I just, I don't want to look like that. But I also don't want to be like wearing a dress and, you know, putting on lipstick. That's just not me either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. And I find that a lot of people, most people are somewhere in the middle. So it was like, it was almost like it was two completely different things where my fashion sense is still growing. And I think a lot of that does have to do with my weight. I don't think I'm able to really dress the way I want because of my my weight. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what will happen. You kind of touched on something, and I think that kind of our style and who we are is constantly evolving. So to have not found yourself still in your 30s, I don't think that that's really a thing. That's something that we don't really talk about as we get older. Because I think people assume that as soon as, for some reason, high school seems like it's the cutoff where you either know what you're doing after high school or you don't. And then it feels like you're kind of in these in this wasteland or you're you're like set on your path. And I don't think people talk enough about growing older and kind of having those little every kind of five years you get kind of this scared feeling of, Oh my God, am I doing something right or wrong? And I I don't think we talk about that enough. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think one of the things that I've lost weight before I've lost over like 150 pounds. Wow. And I think one of the things was like when I came out of the closet, I thought coming out of the closet was going to be like this linchpin moment in my life where like things were going to start getting better. And I, I'm not saying that things didn't, like weren't easier but it wasn't like i automatically became this like better person and it's the same with losing weight it's like when i lost the weight i thought oh i'll like i'll be happier and i'll be you know things will start turning around and that didn't really happen so i Mm -hmm. think it it's like it comes from within your sexuality is pretty much like the basement floor of your identity and so i think being able to identify that is key but it's not what makes you you as a person, it's just a component of that. So right. that's kind of what I ha- I've had to learn. You, you talked about kind of styling yourself after Rosie O'Donnell. Was there somebody in the media that kind of you thought represented who you were or kind of who you wanted to be? I really, I really focused more on men because I felt like men were um, more... I don't know what the word is. Like, I just, I, I sort of like more identified with male fashion. Aspirational, maybe? Aspirational, yeah. I, I would say like I, I more identified with, so there were men that I that I really enjoyed that I thought like, oh, that guy has a fashion sense that I want. Um, Do you want to name was, any, any like specifics? Uh, I can't think of, remember his name, but he was on Boy Meets World. He played Sean. Writer's. Oh, my, Ryder, my crush, Ryder yeah. Strong. Yeah. Ryder Strong. I wanted to look like him. I was like, oh, I want to. And so that was really confusing too. And I've had to learn that with with women too, because there's certain people that you want to look like, but you don't necessarily want to be with. And mm-hmm. that was always like a weird triggering thing. So there would be people where I'd be like, like, I think you have a great fashion sense. Oh, thank you. And, and so I would be like, and if I was younger, I'd be like, well, maybe I'm attracted to Jay. Maybe I find Jay sexually attractive. And it's like, no, that's, those are two different things. Just because you think somebody has a good sense of fashion, you think that they're attractive. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're like, oh yeah, let's, let's, you know, I want to, go to bone town like those are two separate things (laughs) yeah um sometimes you can kind of merge those two for sure yeah so i would say like i was really into the grunge look you know when it when that was really popular um there was a a guy in my high school who was this um really tall like effeminate asian man 
oh man, I thought he was like the sexiest, coolest guy in the world. Like he wore a nose ring before like anybody wore a nose ring. Very Lenny Kravitz. Yes. I was like, oh, (laughs) I I so wished I could have been him. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so the men were more aligned with and it, it even gotten to the point where because i used to hang i hung around i have a twin brother okay and so i hung around boys all the time so for a while i thought that i was like oh i'm just supposed to be a boy mm-hmm. and i think i've told this story before but i had this incident where when i was very young i want to say maybe five or six my brother this is a weird story but my brother had told me like oh you you are supposed to be a boy you just haven't grown your pp yet <laughs> Yeah, I've heard this, but yeah, please, in case somebody hasn't heard it. So he told me that he's like, you haven't grown your pee-pee yet. So what you have to do is you have to pack your area, your downstairs area with mud, and then I have to pee on you. And that's how boys grow their pee-pees. And I was like, well, that checks out. (laughs) I've checked the books. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) From my five-year-old brain, that seems logistical. Right. Um, And so we went in the back and and I packed mud and, and my brother was about to do it. And then like my mom came out and was just like, what the hell is going on here like what are you guys doing and we were just like oh i'm growing my pee pee and uh i think it was one of many times that my mom was just like just get inside like she just was like i'm not dealing with this when she i i don't know if you're comfortable talking about this but would she bring up this story at a dinner party or does do you think she looks at the story in shame or kind of as a oh kids will be kids i brought it up one time to her i think when i first started talking about it and she's like i have no memory of this oh interesting so she was like yeah and my brother too he was like i don't remember this at all so i mean he both of them i'm sure that this was just like a weird i mean my brother and I did so many weird things Mm -hmm. that I honestly feel like my mom is just like, she's just like, it's a string and a long line of weirdness. You know, like you guys are just, you were weird kids. We used to suck on each other's toes. So it's like, (laughs) I'm telling you, we were weird kids. So it's like, you look back on it now and you're just like, yeah, I mean, if you were presented, it was like, what fresh hell are my, my brother, my daughter and my son going to be doing today? You know? So we were, just weird kids i have a million follow-ups but i think that that would be a whole different mini series is just a bunch of episodes of things that you guys did Um, yeah (laughs) well you talked about your family a lot and i kind of that leads me into so taylor the latte boy very wisely once said that we don't come out once and it's done it's we constantly have to come out to people whether it be strangers family whatever Um, something along those lines i'm paraphrasing what he said but is there a coming out and this is kind of like the true meat and potatoes of the podcast is is there a coming out story that really stuck with you or a person that you've talked to about your identity that you've said this is the this is the one that i'm going to remember um i mean one of the things that i think is so fascinating about coming out is it's not just that you have to come out to multiple people you have to constantly come out to them multiple times because i think my family there were different levels of coming out where it was like oh, I didn't realize you were that kind of lesbian. Like, I didn't realize you... Like, it was almost like there were standards that they had even of being gay. Like, oh, well, you're a lesbian, but you're still going to dress up and you're still going to date, like, you know, like um, straight women, right? And it's like, no, that's not how that works. I mean, yeah. I, I would love it if that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I remember... Um, my, I, I just think have to... Okay. I was going to say, it doesn't have to be a specific story or maybe just the time that you've, you accepted it and you were willing to pass that on to somebody. It could be kind of a, there's a, there's a level in there of whenever you realized it and you were, you were ready to talk to somebody about it. Um, 
I remember my the the time that I officially because I I would kind of skirt around the issue a lot. So the time I officially came out, I had just gotten back from an improv festival, and I just was like, I had been talking to a friend of mine, and I was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna do it. And I just sat down. I was like, you know, I. I'm gay, and I just want you guys to know that I'm gay. <laughs> and she thought it was a scene, so she's like, "Yes, and I am too. I love you." <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and we're on a spaceship. Um, yes, and let's go to Home Depot and build some tree houses or yes. some other kind of terrible, yeah, <laughs> specific. Yeah. Um, so, so it was your friends. It was a friend group first. I yeah, I was I was there was a I was at an improv thing and a friend of mine, a girl that I had met there that I knew through improv, but we never really like hung out or talked or, or too much. And we just, I think it was the confluence of like, there was also, I'm also like the world's worst gay person because I just never know what any gay things are happening. Okay. Like I, I went to in, this improv festival and it happened to be during gay pride in New York. And I had no idea. So like I was walking around New York and I was like, why there seems to be a lot of gay people in New York and then come to find out it was a gay pride festival. And I was like, <laughs> that, text, that makes sense. Um, and so we just happened to be in this bar and there were a lot of gay people. And I was like, oh, this feels so great. And I was just like, just so you know, I'm gay. She's like, yeah, I'm bisexual. And we had this whole conversation. She's like, yeah, I just came out to my parents. And she's just like, you know, it's not going to change everything about you. But it's just going to be a lot easier for you to just deal with life. Like, it's just going to be, you're going to feel like lighter. And it's going to be one more thing that you just don't have to keep worrying about. Because it used to be this thing where like, I would go on dates and I would tell stories to people because you want to be able to share that stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'd always have to kind of keep the sex sex vague. I remember I went on a date with this girl who was completely white, head to toe shaved her body, and she had really long pinky nails. And she, um, she ordered a tuna fish sandwich. And I remember I couldn't eat, we ordered both ordered tuna fish. And I remember I couldn't eat the tuna fish sandwich because it looked too much like her. It's like, (laughs) this is is really weird. And she told me something. She goes, I have to tell you something. And I'm going to tell you this because I think you're really cool. And the whole time up until that point, I was like, Ooh, I don't know about her. And then when she said, I think you're really cool. I was like, Oh, you think I'm really cool. Like I was so like, I had such low self-esteem that I was like, Oh, you like me. Um, (laughs) I told my brother, but I told him it was a guy. And I remember a couple like months later, we were, we were hanging out and he's like, remember that story you told me about that guy? And I like, couldn't remember what he was talking about. And he had to like, literally tell me, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And like, I think he could tell that something was going on. And so I just remember going like, yeah, I just would love it. If like, I could just be like myself and I didn't have to like continuously, And I think so I went home and I told my parents and I had told them like kind of sort of before, but this was like the first time that I actually was like, I'm gay, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was that conversation. And it was just such a like random, like it, I don't know why it happened and I don't know if it would have happened again, but it was just one of those things where it's like, you just have a person in your life who's just, you know, you see them, you know them, but they're not necessarily like that influential. And then they'd be just kind of like really sort of change your mind about stuff. And I was just like, yes, I have to do this. I have to come out. So. And do you remember what it felt like after you had told them? It felt like I was afraid, but it also just felt like, okay, like now I don't have to hide, you know, like now I don't have to be like, 
um, secretive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other time that I've ever felt that was when I introduced my family to my girlfriend. Because then I was sort of like, okay, now you guys officially know this is the chick I'm sleeping with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's um, how you introduced her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I've seen her naked. She's seen me naked. We've touched each other. <laughs> yeah. Mom, dad. Um, <laughs> so, but that, and then like, just like the fact that they were so welcoming and it was just a real, like, it was so, um, it was, it was one of those things where it, it just was like, okay, like this, this is the stuff that I don't have to worry about anymore. Mm-hmm. You no, know? like yeah. there's so much going on right now. I can't imagine. Sorry. It's okay. Is there a package delivery? Oh my God. My aunt's dog. So okay. freaking annoying. She's like, she's the, she's like a, she's like, she thinks she's a guard dog, but as soon as you confront her, she runs away. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I just was like, I keep telling her to shut up. Cause I'm like, you're not going to attack anybody. Right. You're- it's a thought that counts though. I think she thinks yeah. she can take it. Um, you were kind of finishing up on our, I guess, thinking, finishing your thought about um, how you felt after you told them. Oh yeah. It was just like, okay. I can't imagine being like this being closeted and also dealing with everything going on in the world. Like, I I just feel like that would be, like, another level, Yeah, you know? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. It's (laughs) the forks all over again. (laughs) Here's what happens, is that we have these dogs. Our next-door neighbors keep their dogs outside no matter what. They're, like, the worst. So they bark at, at like, a whisper. Then (laughs) my aunt's dog, when she's over here, she barks. And then the dogs over here, when they hear loose, then when they hear her bark, so they start barking. So it's like a whole confluence of stupid. It's a chain. It's Have you ever seen 101 Dalmatians? Maybe they're sending out an alert. There's some missing (laughs) dogs that they have to be on top of. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry. It's just just an Amazon delivery. Don't worry about it. It's fine. We're all good. Okay. Well, we'll I can power through it. On my end, I can't really hear that much. So I think it sounds worse for you. Okay. I, I want to talk more. So you, you were talking about your relationship and I kind of want to ask without, you don't have to name names, but do you remember who your first crush was? Oh man. Celebrity or somebody in school? Uh, well, okay. I will say that when I was in the closet, when I was in high school, I was um, really nervous about picking somebody who people would find attractive because our law, every every girl had like a picture in their locker of who they thought would be like really, really like who was really attractive. Sure. And I thought I was like, ooh, I'll show that I'm like uber straight, and I'll pick like an older guy. So I picked Burt Reynolds. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was I was expecting who's like um who's at the Barry Barry White like oh, yeah. I got picture yeah. somebody who's like just this really straight man on my locker. Why Burt Reynolds? It was just for that fact of he was like masculine. I think I had seen a photo of his Playgirl cover, and oh, I was yeah. like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be." <laughs> I imagine your locker just having the spread of him on Playgirl. Just I had like a cutout of it, and I put it on my locker, and everybody's like, "Who's what? Is that your dad?" And I was like, "No, I don't have a naked photo of my father." <laughs> yeah, in my locker room. So, um, the, so in high school, you. Uh, same for me. I wasn't out throughout all of high school and I was mortified of the thought of even coming out. But um, what did you have any experiences with bullies or people who were calling you different or queer or lesbian, anything like that? No. In fact, I would say I was probably more not necessarily like I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be mean, but I was more um, 
you would say the bully because I have my family super sarcastic and my dad was very like he, his jokes. Like if you, if you were like, if you heard his jokes, you'd be like, those sound like hurtful mm-hmm. <laughs> comments, you know? And he is getting better. But when we were younger, he would be like, um, you know, he, he'd be like, Hey, you know, a, a lot, every, every guy who did something bad was a, was a Mary or a Sue or something like that. So I would make comments like that. And so now l- looking back, I had a friend who was gay, who was obviously gay, but I was still in the closet and he was in the closet that we were both like, we're not gay. We're totally not gay. <laughs> yeah. And he was so gay. And it was like, and we used to say he was the gayest straight person we ever knew. And it was like one of those dumb things that you look back and go, no, he's just freaking gay. Like he was just, yeah. So I remember, but I Wait, would always, are call you still him in names and stuff? Yeah. Are you in what? contact with him still? We, we, um, we chatted on Facebook a couple of times, but I don't really talk to people I'm on. I'm like from high school, just cause like not any reason why, like I, we just don't, you know, we just kind of lost touch. Right. But yeah, he went to a different high school, I think the end of junior year. And then we just sort of lost touch, but yeah. Okay. Is there anybody else from your school or like kind of at that age that you could pick where you, you would look back now and you'd be like, Oh, they were kind of exhibiting kind of queer or gay behavior. Well, there was this girl who, uh, who was like, oh, oh, here we go. This was really weird. I don't, can't believe I didn't even think of this the first time. There was a girl who, okay, so my high school was a, was a junior high and high school attachment. We were actually the first full graduating class because it had started when we when we went there. It was a mm-hmm. magnet called oxford academy and it's in orange county and it's like a college preparatory school so um it was seventh through 12th and we started in seventh grade and in seventh grade there was a girl in our class but from seventh grade up until senior year was a boy like identified as a boy um you know always everybody called him chris you know like he he was a boy and but he was biologically a girl. And even in ninth grade, he I think it was ninth grade, he got to start changing in the boys' locker room because oh, it was yeah. just like easier for him, you know? But it was it was kind of weird because it was like you had that going on, but then at the same time everybody was extremely homophobic, like about like stuff. And it so it was really weird that people were so accepting of this of this guy. But, and who knows, maybe his story is different. Maybe he was like, nobody was accepting of me, mm-hmm. but it was just from the outside looking on people were accepting of this guy. But at the same time, like, you know, it was just usual teenage stuff where people were just being like, Oh, I remember one time we were doing spin the bottle in class, which I forgot why we were doing that. And <laughs> it sounds like a good teacher. <laughs> yeah, It landed on, it landed on two girls and the these the two girls were str- extremely religious and mm-hmm. they were like no i wouldn't that's sick i would never do that and i remember thinking like yeah, you should do it <laughs> you're tr- you're, meanwhile you're trying to push the bottle a little closer your way like yeah. oh, well i guess i'll do it i was like i was trying to be like uh well i mean if one of you wants to i guess i'll take the bullet you know? <laughs> yeah was there i mean extracurricular were there activities that you were doing or parties that you were going to where you felt a little bit more to kind of be what you were feeling inside or were you you pretty true to yourself 
I mean, for the most part, I was pretty true to myself because I wasn't really sexual in high school. Okay. I would say, like, even if, like, even if a girl came up to me and said, like, hey, I think you're really attractive and I want to go out with you, I would have been like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm still kind of dealing with all this stuff. Um, so I had I had a, a good group of friends that I feel like were um, more, like, liberal and really kind of helped me sort of see that, you know, they were, I think they were the reason why I was able to sort of see early on that I was, um, you know, gay. Although when I did come out to them in and out, they were like, Oh, we thought you were asexual. And I was like, well, thank you. (laughs) That's so, that's such a term for that was in high school. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive for high. I, I think I don't give teenagers enough credit for what we, I guess what <laughs> I'll include myself in this, what we knew back then or like what we were yeah. saying. I don't know. It seems like that's such a advanced way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever, I mean, that wasn't how you identified though. You weren't, you, no. maybe that was just what you were putting out. That's what I was putting out, but that's because I was like, I was not, um, you know, I was not interested. I mean, it wasn't that I wasn't interested. It's just that I wasn't like, it, I went to a school that was per, predominantly like Asian, students and i was just you know as a chubby tall woman so no guy was gonna ask me out Mm -hmm. and so it just was sort of like and i was also dealing with like personal stuff at home so i had a lot more to deal with than like oh so and so wants to date me you know right so this one's a little bit lighter but is there a song or something that you associate with kind of queer culture or something that when you hear it you're like oh that's a gay song oh that's tough uh I mean, when I was younger, I would say Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm older, I would say that that's probably like anti-gay culture. <laughs> it's a little gay baby is kind of yeah. the term I would think. Now that I'm a little bit more educated, I'm like, that seems like it was not offensive because I some media, I think we have to have fun. We have to be able to laugh at it, not cancel songs. But yeah. looking back, I'm like, that seems like it's. I kissed a girl and I liked it just for fun. And like, I don't know, it just seems a little bit baby yeah. like that, but okay. That's what I, I was trying to think of. Like, if there's a, a song where if you heard it, you're like, Oh, this is like, I feel like queer culture just clicks with this immediately. There was a Celine Dion song that I used to listen to a lot. And I'm trying to think of the, the, what it is, but it was, um, uh, a new day has come. No. <laughs> I don't love that. Uh, real quick while you're trying to think i went to a lesbian bar called gossip grill in san diego and yeah and they were doing karaoke that night and they said they had a ban on celine dion they wouldn't let people sing celine dion what i don't know why i'm wondering if it's because she's too requested that the bartenders put a big kibosh on it or if i don't know why but anyway it, it was a confusing oh it's all coming back to me now there we go. what is no <laughs> that's the name of the song okay i i do know that one i don't know how it goes but i know that that was one of her bigger ones i used to sing that a lot and then there's another song that of hers that i think is a, a, a remake of a different song but i can't find it but that one I, it's all coming back to me now i would do i would say um i never really got into katie lang not because i i did like anything i just didn't really feel like i liked her um I don't know. I just didn't like her song, her music. I thought her music was kind of boring. Um, but I will say I didn't really get into like gay culture to like my late twenties. 
I was still very much. So I, when I went to college, I joined an LGBT group and the lesbians who were in that LGBT group at Cal State Fullerton were the most judgy, like bitchy lesbians I've ever met in my entire life. Like they were like super, like they would like get in your face about stuff. Like if yeah. you said something, they'd be like, you're, you're wrong. And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And like, I would constantly like go like, oh, what activities are we doing? And they'd be like, um, we're kind of just doing something for like members who've already been here. And I was like, oh, great. Awesome. Why? Were they like that to everybody or just oh, were they started singling out they you? They were so bitchy. So I became friends with the gay group of the LGBT. <laughs> I became like the, and like, there was this gay guy named Alex who was so nice and he would always invite me to stuff, but it was always like the gay night. So it was never like lesbian stuff. It was always gay stuff. So I just hang around gay men all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And so I actually found gay men to be more welcoming. So that was always weird because it was, That's it a was, shock. I know. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was so funny to me. Cause then, then later on, I think Joe was the first person to tell me that gays and lesbians don't really get along. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. I feel like lesbians and lesbians don't really get along. Really? It's kind of like a oil and, Water. Yeah, oil and vinegar. Which one's the one? Oil and water. That's the one that don't get along. Well, do you feel like you have a good group around you now? A community around you? Um, I'm starting to. I think I've met more and more people. Like, but that's been in the last like two, three years or so. I think like three years ago, I went to a dinner. I went to a brunch with like four lesbians, and that was the most amount of lesbians I've ever like hung out with in my mm-hmm. entire life. So I would love to go to like Dinosaur or something, but I just, I'm never, but yeah, I saw, so I'm starting to get into gay culture. Okay. So. And, and these are, how do you know uh, the group that you went to, you said brunch? Is that what yeah. you mean? How do you I know had, them? I had a friend at the time who was, uh, who was um, a lesbian who she like, she knew a bunch of lesbians. So she would like do like, um, you know, she was actually an Uber lesbian. So she was very in the know. She was one of those gay people who like always knew what was happening and knew about like every lesbian thing that was going on. And I would be like, um, she'd be like, Oh, I'm going to this new lesbian, you know, pop-up lesbian burger place. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> what <laughs> makes it lesbian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like every group has one of those where you're yeah. like, how do you get this Intel? Yeah. Like what are you on some kind of chat service? Like, is it a yeah. call? Like, do you call in? Like uh-huh. what happened? So yeah. And then I have, so one specific for you, cause I feel like my other interviews aren't going to have this kind of insight, but what do you think about the, I've noticed a lack of representation in, just bars. I grew up in LA my whole life. And there was obviously the, the strip on Santa Monica between what is it? Robertson and San Vicente where it's gay bars and they have lesbian nights. So yeah, lesbians or I guess just women who identify as queer have one night out of seven to go out and like, that's their yeah. night. What do you, th- I mean, why, what, where's the disparity here? Like, why do we have that? So <laughs> fix this okay. problem, Lori. Yeah. So I'm going to make a broad statement about lesbians that I know nothing about. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a bar person. So that would be tough for me to answer because I don't know why anybody goes out to bars. They're loud. I mean, unless you're performing, they're loud. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, you can't really talk to people. Um, parking is terrible. So, I mean, if, if somebody told me there was a lesbian bar, I would say, oh, good for them. Like, I, I don't know if I would ever go. Um, so I can't necessarily say why, you know, cause I, I know that other lesbians have the, the lesbians that I've met have said, Oh, I, w- I wish there was an, a lesbian bar that I would go to, but you know, 
I think money talks. And I think maybe the reason there, there have been lesbian bars out there, but they've shut down. So maybe the reason why, you know, um, lesbian bars or they only have one night is because that's sort of what they're able to get monetarily, mm-hmm. you know? But I mean, also I think maybe it's just that not enough chances are given. So, yeah. and dinosaur yeah. that, can you expand on that? Cause I only know a little bit about it. It's, is I, it you know, okay. From what I get, and this is coming from the L word. So I am really, this is, yeah. I'm giving the broad strokes here. I think it's a weekend kind of similar to white, white, party for yes. gay men where dinosaur is more of a lesbian experience is that right yes yeah it's a big lesbian experience and i think it's in palm springs i uh-huh. think it's like a two or three day weekend okay and it's it's getting bigger and bigger so i mean it does show that lesbians will show up to things great um yeah i also think that's kind of the, the times changing of people who who just kind of have queer in like a non-binary lesbian bisexual like i think that they're just coming out more it's it becoming more comfortable, even though we're trying to unlabel people with these labels and becoming like, it's becoming all inclusive, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah. The fact, I think I'm, I like women, but I don't necessarily call myself a lesbian for the most part. I mean, I pretty much just say I'm gay Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's a better over uh, like umbrella of everything because I feel like, no, you know, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not the, from, you know, I don't date the opposite sex, Mm -hmm. which I feel like is just pretty much the only thing that separates me from, you know, the, the population, the normal quote unquote normal population. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have, this is kind of my last serious one. And then I have a few just like fun ones that I want to ask so people can get to know you. Do you have any advice or something that you kind of wish that you could pass on to somebody who is having a hard time struggling with their identity? Is there something that you could say to them? Um, I mean, it's a lifelong thing. So buckle in, you know, (laughs) like, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I think people think that they need that, like, it's a homework assignment that they have to finish by Friday. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's not, it's, it's a, I'm still figuring out my identity. I, th- I think there are people who have, who are lucky enough to where they have figured it out. And to those people, I say kudos, you know, like, that's amazing. But I think there are people out there who, you know, I look at myself now and I look at myself even a year ago and I feel like I'm a different person. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that there are, you always need to kind of be working on growing and getting better and making better choices. And I think by doing that, you eventually kind of just fall ass backwards into an identity. So yeah. that's kind of my, my dumb advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking my head vigorously in agreement. I think that's spot on. It's something that you continuously work on. Um, yeah. Okay. So since this is, I mean, mostly we talked about coming out queer culture, whatever, what labels, everything like that. But since people are still learning about you and maybe they don't know you from, I'm sh- I feel like you're one of the afterthought favorites. So I'm sure everybody <laughs> knows who you are, but these are just like fun, stupid things just to kind of be like, let's learn a little bit about Lori. So what's your favorite sure. color? Ooh, that's, I would say, um, Ooh, I stumped you on the (laughs) first one. (laughs) First one uh, down. Okay. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Um, uh, I would say like a bluish green. That's my favorite color. Okay. Looking for just one. Okay. (laughs) No, that's totally okay. Um, okay. Your car, your bedroom and your kitchen are a disaster. Which one do you clean first? Car, bedroom, kitchen. I would say kitchen. 
Okay. Do you want to? That's, that's if, where I have to eat food. So okay. that's All where right. it has. Yeah. Can you think of something that you're curious about right now, just in life or whatever? Um, let me see. What am I curious about? Um, I mean, I guess, I mean, this is more morbid, but I will say that I, I've had a fascination with serial killers all my life. Um, but lately I've been more curious about people and I've been reading and and watching TV shows more on people who like, just are like normal, like you and me, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Most of their life. And then just one day they're like, you know, I don't want to be married to my husband anymore. But I also don't want to like give him money, so I'm just gonna kill him. Like that to me is more insane, yeah, than a serial killer because it's like, it's like what, like how how does how do you get to that point? You know, like I could never imagine killing somebody, but I feel like it's I think it's proven that, you know, eventually we can all be pushed to kill somebody. Right. Um, okay. I have like a, just two more, but I, I kind of want to touch down on the true crime a little bit. Is that because it's in the media right now or just we have so many podcasts dedicated to it or what's what's making you think about that? Well, I've always been interested in it because when I was a kid, I used to read about history about like, you know, our history was a lot bloodier than people like make it out to be. And yeah. we were like, we were like, cr- we were like in it for blood when we were like people used to just murder at the drop of the hat. Like it just, life just had no meaning whatsoever. So I think it's fascinating today that everybody's like, let's get back to what it was like in the old times. And it's like, (laughs) Oh, you mean when like families were slaughtered and like, you know, like eaten alive. Like, yeah, let's do that. Let's get back to that, that magical time. (laughs) Yeah. The story, I I went on a tour in new Orleans and the history of that city alone was, wild so yeah did you did they they tell you about that uh guy who killed his girlfriend that he met during katrina which one (laughs) 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 no we didn't the the tour i went on was a lot about history and kind of the the start of the city and kind of lore of the city so i didn't hear anything about katrina is it something that is it a good story (laughs) it's well i mean the guy kills his girlfriend so yeah it's a happy ending but um (laughs) no this the the, i went on a tour of the city but every every story ended in death so like the one they talked about was the one with katrina where it, it was this couple that was on the news because this this girl had stayed like out too late and katrina i guess and she had to find shelter and she found shelter with this with this random guy. Well, they ended up falling in love and they started dating and, you know, it was sort of like, Oh, a love story happens during Katrina. Mm-hmm. So they were on the news. Well, uh, like, I don't know how many, maybe a year later, um, he kills himself. He jumps off the the roof of this building of a building. And he um, left a note basically saying that him and his girlfriend got in a fight. He killed her and chopped her body up and left it in different pots in his apartment and then killed himself. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, so that's what I'm curious about. And every, every <laughs> tour ends with that story. And they're like, and hey, make yeah. sure to tip, tip your guide. <laughs> yeah. Every tour ends with like, and then they were murdered and it's like, what? Why, why is New Orleans a bloodbath? Yeah. So. I didn't get that one, but something to look forward to for when I go back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, totally shifting gears. Um, my kind of one of my last ones, is there something that you can brag that you're good at? 
Uh, I'm really good at making a simple question last really long. So that's great. That's good. <laughs> I am testament to that one. You are you're nailing it. <laughs> that's good quality I have. I'm just kidding. I mean, I truly, this is so exciting because I think everybody knows kind of Joe's persona is your persona of like being on air and who you guys are when you're, you know, on for afterthought. But I think this really kind of stripped it down and it, it's relatable. And I think people have stories that are similar to yours. And it was so nice that you were, that you made time to talk to me and I really appreciate it. It was really good to have this side of you. Oh, well, thanks Jay. And not to continue sucking each other's dicks, but you're a really great interviewer. I feel hey, like I, you did a really great job. Thank you. It's, it's what I would love to do. So it's, this is really honing. I mean, the great thing about this, I guess, social distancing is it's put me into work of things to really focus on goals and stuff that I want to do. And it's not going to stop me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's good. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you uh, coming in again and um, of course being my inaugural Anytime. guest. Yeah. And well, I know, well, now I'm thinking about the second follow-up podcast of things that you and your brother did to each <laughs> other. <laughs> You're still on that. Okay. I mean, right, the, the toe sucking. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. Again, guys, this was Outcast. Uh, my first guest was with Lori Roggenkamp. We don't really have a sign out, sign off or anything, but uh, please keep listening. It's going to be a limited series. And my next guest is TBD, but it will be a good one. So thanks again, Lori. I have your sign off for you. Oh. It was what my title wanted. I wanted the title to be. It's what Stay it? In, Come Out. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect.